Um, it's a privilege periodically to uh, be able to sit down and to listen. Um, one of our elders, Jeff James, is going to be speaking this morning, and Jeff um, is almost retired as principal from Aletheia. How long were you at Aletheia? 24 years he has been principal at Aletheia, so congratulations, Jeff. And so Jeff will have a lot of time on his hands, so if you have extra yard projects or things like that, just uh, give him a call. He'll have a lot of time, but uh, it's, uh, it's good to be with you this morning and with Jeff as he comes to bring uh, a message from uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, so Matthew 5, if you have Bibles, open them up, and Jeff is going to be sharing from there. So Jeff, come and share with us this morning. So before I do start doing I do want to uh, point out that Gary and Esther Smith and their sons Nathan and Zach are visiting us from Papua New Guinea. They flew in a couple days ago. Just to hear your sermon. Just to hear my sermon. <laughs> and and uh, I mean, they're almost related to me in that Esther's brother is married to my daughter, our daughter. So, so we, and who, who happened to be also be in Papua New Guinea. So we have a shared, shared thing. And also, uh, beside them is a, a Jacob and Karis door. So Karis is Esther and Gary's daughter, who, who is also uh, finished the New Tribes mission, Ethnos 360 training, and is on our, the fundraising part of their journey. And they're going to be going to Papua New Guinea. So welcome to all, all of those uh, Smiths and doors and, and ever. And, and I know that Nathan, Nathan uh, back there is, is just finished graduate from high school and is going to be going to Liberty. And I know they're here to kind of help him uh, get settled in Liberty. So welcome to all that. All that. Um, so so, so uh, let me pray. Let me pray for us. Father, I just uh, thank you, Lord God, uh, just for you, for your spirit, Lord God, your word that you give us to teach us what we need to know, Lord God, to live a, a happy, successful, um, meaningful life, Father God. So I pray that your spirit would just fill this place. You would just guide me, Lord God. You give me the words that you want me to say, Lord God, and not my own, um, that we might just uh, talk through what you're trying to teach us through this passage of Scripture for And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I happen, so I had, so I have to be sitting back there behind this young man who has this, this jacket. On the back of his jacket says, "Conquer, repeat, do what scares you, send it." And and I thought, hey, I like that because I that was kind of going through my mind earlier today when I was revising this message and and the fear was rising up in me and I'm thinking, why am I doing this? And and I, I thought. Because doing things that scare you actually is a good way of learning and developing and growing. And, and uh, so we need to learn to get out of our comfort zone, which means doing things that scare you, because that's the way you learn and grow. You can, so you can either learn and grow by voluntarily getting outside your comfort zone when God calls you to do that, or you can let him hit your head with a two-by-four and, 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 and teach you that way. It's much easier to... Listen to God's voice and do what he asks you to do and learn that way rather than the other way. So, so, um, okay, so today I'm going to share from the Beatitudes in, in Matthew 5. And really I came, I came to be looking at the Beatitudes last, <laughs> late last summer through the fall 
when life was very difficult and all, for all of us, you know, as, as Brett mentioned, I was a principal of a school, trying to figure out how to handle the health aspects of the pandemic, the financial aspects, the, the racial um, tension that exploded in our country in the summertime, and then the super divisive presidential election political turmoil, and I was asking God, say, God, I'm feeling a little stressed now. What, what, what do I need to be looking at? And I felt it led to look at the, the Beatitudes. That was kind of my, that was what led me to that. So I'm going to read Matthew 5, 1 through 12, and then we'll start. Seeing the crowds, he, Jesus, went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So before, before I actually talk about those verses, I want, I want to just kind of share just some general comments, little context, I guess you call it, for these verses. And... These things may be, appear to be a bit random, you know, not, but they are. Anyways, they are a little random. But I just want to kind of give a little background um, before we actually talk about the verses. So, you know, one of the things that what I thought about is like, where does the word beatitude come from? You know, that's not exactly a biblical word. So I looked it up. And, and uh, you know, it comes from the Latin word beatifico, which means to make happy. So in the Latin Vulgate Bible, all these verses began with some form of that word, beatifico, and, and, or have you pronounce it. So, so that when it was put into English, it became the Beatitudes. You know, so that's, that's, that's how that began. And, and uh, it just so happened you know, that, 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 that the Greek word that's most often translated uh, blessed, as in blessed are the poor, really means you know, happy. You know, happy are the poor. Happy are those in mourn. Happy are the meek. That is another way of looking at it. Um, but this is, this is not human, worldly happiness that we're talking about. This is godly happiness. This is, this is a state of spiritual well-being and prosperity, a deep joy of the soul, uh, regardless of your circumstances. So it's not produced or affected by how a person is feeling or how the circumstances are changing. Um, so it's not dependent on outside forces. So this happiness comes internally, comes from knowing God and submitting to God. You know, and the Bible tells us that, that as followers of Jesus, we should be happy. We should be blessed. You should be filled with joy. And, and uh, you know, so if you're not happy, <laughs> just go, to, you know, go, go study the Beatitudes because the, these verses are meant to lead us to true happiness. Um, so happiness happens when you submit to the rule of God, to the king, and become part of his kingdom. And, and this is really, this is the, the opposite approach from how the world pursues happiness now, if you think about it. I mean, really, you know, the, the, the world's vision is you find happiness by looking inside of yourself, um, figuring out how you feel about things, what you desire, 
And you trust your feelings to guide you to make yourself into the person that you're supposed to be. And you get to, you get to, you're, so you have all this pressure to invent yourself, reinvent yourself, figure out who you are, um, on and on and on. And then as your feelings change, that will all change. You know, because if you're, if you're trying to figure out who you are based on how you feel, I mean, at least, at least in my world, you know, my feelings change pretty much hourly, you know, uh, daily, whatever. Um, so, 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 you know, we, as, as Jesus followers, are, are trying, to, trying to pursue, God wants us to be truly happy, happy in him. Um, so no, another, another, you know, these, again, these are not points that are necessarily related. And they, you know, there, there are actually other Beatitudes in the Bible. This, these, these, these verses are not the only Beatitudes in the Bible. Um, for example, they're, they're, you can find them in both the Old and the New Testament. You know, and a Beatitude generally has, you know, it's a first part that tells you uh, what you will experience, like you're poor in the spirit, you're mournful, you're meek, and then you will experience something, like you'll experience the kingdom of heaven, you'll be comforted, you'll inherit the earth. Um, so Psalm, Psalm, give me an example, Psalm 1, 1 through 3 is a, is a Beatitude, and it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. So the, so the Beatitudes, as Brett mentioned, are, are the, the opening verses on the, of the Sermon on the Mount, which, which then goes on for another two and a half chapters. And, and the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' first teaching, really, it's her significant teaching. Um, I always think that's important because I think what Jesus says in the beginning and at the end, you know, are, are things to, to, not to take special note of. So when he arrives on the, on the, on the earth and starts his ministry, what he says, he's setting the stage for what he's going to do throughout his time. And then what he, what he says when he gets ready to leave is also very important. Um, so people think that this, this, this is, might have been Jesus' stump speech, if you're a political person, meaning, you know, you know, you know, stump speech for a politician is, you know, when you go place to place to place to place to place and talk to your constituents, you don't make up a new speech every time you go. You know, you have a kind of a, kind of a stump speech that you then revise a little bit here and there. That, that uh, this, is, this was a teaching that Jesus gave frequently. And you'll actually find part of it in Luke. Um, but it, as a minimum, it's, it's a, it is a uh, summary, I guess, or an opening volley uh, on the themes that Jesus wanted to address during his time uh, on earth. Um, the Sermon on the Mount itself is very practical in that Jesus teaches on the things that we should or should not do. For example, he teaches on anger and adultery and divorce and making vows and revenge and loving your enemies and money and possessions, etc., etc. But, but the, the Beatitudes, which gets again begin uh, the Sermon on the Mount, really address first uh, the issues of the heart, our heart attitudes, um, the attitudes that, that his followers need to pursue. And uh, you know, if you look at Proverbs, Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Or in the, or in the New Living Translation, it says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So Jesus knows very well that, that our heart is the essential part 
of who we are. You know, and the heart is not just your emotions, by the way. The biblical heart is your mind, your will, your, your emotions, your desire. All the, all the internal parts of, of you are considered the heart when, when God speaks of that. Um, so your happiness, the quality of your life, uh, what you will accomplish for God really depends on the, on the uh, condition of your heart. Um, and the Beatitudes address this, address the heart. Um, so also, so followers of Jesus, Jesus should both have and be learning or refining all of these character traits. So it's not like, it's not like the gifts of the Spirit where you can say, well, you know, I have the gift of, of uh, prophecy, but I'm not really a good server. You know, those, there are gifts of the Spirit that, that uh, some people have some, some people have other, others, but the, but the Beatitudes, we are all supposed to have the heart attitudes and the actions that, that, are, that are portrayed in the Beatitudes. It's not something you can pick and choose. So, well, I'm, not, I'm good at this, I'm not good at that, but that's okay, because that's, that's not what Jesus wants. He wants you to, wants you to develop all these things in your heart, um, in, your, in your walk uh, throughout your life. Um, and, and, and obviously, it's, it's, a, it's a refining that goes through, you know, that takes a lifetime. You're never going to get there until you get to heaven. Um, I also, also want to mention the historical context of this. So just remember that, that uh, at this time, Israel was occupied by a foreign army, the Romans, the hated pagan Romans. Um, prior to the Roman conquest, as I understand it, Israel was an independent country for a time, with 100 years or so, under the Maccabees. Um, so they had experienced some freedom in their series of being conquered by this empire and that empire. Um, so at, that, at this point in time, a really big thing on the, on the mind of the Jews was they wanted to restore their independence. They wanted, they wanted, their, yeah, they wanted their independence. And there's really, you know, well, two of, the, two of the types of people that were concerned with this were the zealots who, who wanted to be gained independence through violence, through military, you know, whatever, killing people, military action. And then there's the Pharisees who, who really thought that through a miracle of God, um, brought about by their righteous behavior that, that God will intervene, kind of like Moses, you know, take the people out of, out of Egypt, um, that, that God will rescue his people in some miraculous way. And, 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 the, and my understanding is the Pharisees, you know, you know I think part of the reason why the Pharisees were upset when other Jews didn't follow the law, because they, their understanding was that if the more, and more the more people were righteous, the more likely God would be to intervene on their behalf. So they were very... Um, you know, you know, they wanted their people to follow the law like they followed the law. Followed the law. So Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount, in, in the Beatitudes, are, are very countercultural in that they did not play well with, with the leading figures of that time, with the Pharisees, you know, the religious Jews, the Zealots. And, and, and we are also called to be countercultural. And, and you really, I mean, the, the Beatitudes are very much countercultural. Um, we get into, you know, you know the... Anyway, we'll see that later on. But you'll, you'll see how the things, the things that Jesus said were not about, about gaining power over the Romans. You know, that was not his point. His point was what, what needed to be done in people's hearts that they could return to God. Um, you know, the, Beatitude, the, the, the Beatitudes are also, also intentionally placed in a specific order. This is something I never realized. I can't think of how many times I've read the Beatitudes First thing I would say is that's very nice, but I don't understand them, and I don't, you know, let's move on, kind of thing. Let's get to the part that I understand, like anger and 
that kind of stuff. Um, but they are, they are intentionally placed in an order. The first ones deal with pretty much with our hearts, with, our, with the internal aspects of your life. Um, and then as Jesus walks through them, they become more and more, they're about, they're about our relationship with others and the Lord. So he takes, he deals with the heart first, and then shows you how to work that out uh, in your relationship with, with others as he walks through the time. Um, also, as I was kind of looking at this, I kind of, you know, I, one thing I discovered what, is what I, is like, like I call the, I guess the, the opposite of Beatitudes. I, I, call, I call them the woes, or this, you know, you know woe, woe is, is a, another word for sorrows. And it's, there's a whole section, you know, Matthew 23, I'll, I'll read some of that, is, is the, are the woes. And, and, and they're all addressed to the scribes, the Pharisees, and hypocrites. So that, that's worth looking at because it's like, don't do this, you know, because sorrow will, instead of having happiness, you'll have sorrow. Um, so this is Matthew 23, 25 through 28. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and plate. But inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence, you blind Pharisees. First clean the inside of the cup and plate, that the outside may also be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Um, so again, Jesus in those really again points to the fact that he doesn't care how you look on the outside. You know, if you're a religious person, go to church, give money, uh, all those things. He cares about the heart. You know, what is your heart? Um, Yeah, because I mean, the Pharisees were the were the, were the example of, of the uh, the religious leaders of the time that that uh, looking good to people on the outside was far more important than than being humble and clean on the inside. Okay, so so that's enough of my my background um, talk. We'll talk now uh, through the, the actual beatitudes. Being nervous means your mouth gets dry on a regular basis. Okay, so the first, the first beatitude says, <clears throat> Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So let me talk first about the, the word poor. So, so there are a number of Greek words for poor, um, and this is, this is the worst case poor, okay? This, this, is, this is not the working poor, meaning somebody has to go and work every day in order to have food. Um, it certainly is not the poor of the United States, who would be wealthy in other places in, in, the, in the world now. But it, it, is, it is the destitute, the, the ones who have nothing. They have, they have nothing to offer God. Um, they're helpless, powerless to accomplish anything on their own, and they are reduced to begging. And, and, uh, you know, they are, and they are such lowly beggars that, that they are, are unwilling to even look at the person that they are begging from. I guess I either. So, 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 so that's, that's, so, so happy are those who look, look at themselves in this way, that realize that we, that we are spiritually bankrupt, you know, spiritually destitute. So poor in spirit means that you are, we are, not you, we, um, we are spiritually bankrupt. We, we have nothing to offer God to say, save me, God, because I'm a good person. I did this and this and this, and I, I don't do that and that and that. Um, 
So it's, so it's, an, it's a confession, an admission, that humans are sinful and rebellious and utterly without moral virtues to commend them to God or the ability to make themselves acceptable to God. So this is a huge... You know, the, 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 the Pharisees didn't really like this because they understood what it meant. It's like, wait a second, we're the Pharisees. We follow all the law, we're all the rules. We're not spiritually bankrupt. Um, so part of this, part of realizing well, of walking in, in the idea of being poor in the spirit, is you have to die to our pride, which all of us have to, have to uh, are constantly working through. Um, you know, and, and Jesus is never really precious to us in, until we realize um, how bankrupt we are. And how, so, so, I mean, if you think, can I, can I, you know, I, you know, even before I was a believer, I thought I was a pretty good guy. You know, I, I was a relatively moral person, and I did good things. And, and, uh, but you, you really need to put all that aside, you know, and, and realize that you, you, we are all spiritually bankrupt. And, and, and again, if you, know, if, you, if, you, if you view yourself that way, then again, Jesus is much greater than, than what, we, what we generally give him credit for. Um, so th- this attitude is best um, displayed in Luke 18, verses 9 through 14, um, which is the parable that Jesus ta- taught about the Pharisee and the tax collector, which I will read. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am, a, I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, will not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you this man went down to his house justified, rather than the others. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So obviously, obviously the, the tax collector would be the example of, of the poor in spirit. Um, we, should, we should desire to become more like him and less like the Pharisee. Um, so, so if you're starting to think that you're a pretty good guy, good girl, and it's hard to look down on other sinners because there are plenty of sinners out there outside the church that we can look down upon. Um, you are heading to Phariseeism and not to, to being like Jesus. Also, also um, this is the first beatitude for a reason. There's a reason why it's first. Um, you know, it, it, it's where all of us must start with God. You must begin with total humility uh, about your spiritual condition. You know, that's, 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 that's the, the key. You know, I said, well, he says it's first. That's the key. You have to realize that you, you are spiritually bankrupt. And, and also the fact is that every, everyone can start here. You, know? you, don't, you don't have to do anything. You just, have to, you just have to surrender your heart to God and, and understand who you are as a human being, as a fallen human being, and who God is as the creator of all the universe. We must begin with total humility about our, our spiritual condition. So, it, and it also puts all the following beatitudes into perspective. Um, it can't be fulfilled by one's own strength. You have to be a beggar. No one mourns. You can't mourn un- unless you realize you are poor in spirit. And no one is meek. 
until they are willing to be humble themselves, um, and on and on. So, so this this beatitude ends with you know for, for theirs you know it's, so basically it's it's you know blessed uh, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So so what is the kingdom of heaven? We could get into a whole. I'm going to try. I try to. I'm going to call Brett and ask him. Brett, I'll make sure I have this right. But anyway. So, so, so broadly speaking, the kingdom of heaven is, is the rule of an eternal sovereign God over all the universe. Um, more narrowly, it's really the, spir- the spiritual rule, rule over the hearts and minds of those who willingly submit to God's authority. Um, it's another way of saying you're saved. So, so if, you, if you surrender, if you recognize your spiritual bankruptcy, you come to Jesus, you surrender yourself um, and follow him, you are part of the of the kingdom of heaven. This mic is very sensitive. <clears throat> okay, moving on to the second one. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, I, I will admit that this 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 beatitude I most misunderstood. I did not understand what it meant. I, I always thought I was saying things like. Don't stuff your feelings. Let yourself mourn when you experience losses and disappointments. Don't be John Wayne. For those of you who don't know who John Wayne is, you know, and you're just rough and tough, independent. Nothing's going to get you. Nothing's going to ruffle your you. You just you know plow on, no matter how you feel. Um, that's not. That's not. You know, it's 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 understand. You know, and, and which is which is that is a true thing, by the way. You know, that that is that is a good thing to to. Learn to not stuff your feelings and, and to, to mourn for your losses and disappointments. Um, because God gave us the ability to mourn. Um, it's, a way, it's a way that, that uh, we can release our emotions, which is good for our physical, spiritual, and mental health. Uh, it also allows us, if you, if you allow yourself to grieve, to mourn, um, you are then more able to help others who, are, who suffer Things that, that cause them to grieve and mourn. Um, if you're if you're if you're the stiff upper lip kind of kind of person, and and you probably don't have much to offer the person who is hurting and grieving over a loss. Um, and also also you know it is it is very legitimate uh, for us to sorrow over our losses and disappointments because and realize like that 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 the suffering that the suffering of life is just part of God's plan. Um, and to remember that Jesus, Jesus also wept. You know, he wept over the death of his friend Lazarus. He wept over the city of Jerusalem because he knew what was going to happen when they continued to reject him. So Jesus allowed himself to mourn. But, but this, this verse is not about mourning over human circumstances. This is the mourning, mourning that comes when a person realizes they are morally bankrupt and spiritually destitute. Um, and, and I and I used to thought because I said I don't I don't remember ever mourning over that as much as I and, and I, so I probably come to think you know, it's something you need to pray for you need to pray that you that, that your heart will be grieved when you um, do things that that are not of God um, you know it's a deep grief before God over our fallen state uh, it's it's mourning over our sin and its effects on us. And on the world around us. So there actually there actually are nine. That's what I heard. There are nine Greek words for mourning, and like the poor, this is the worst kind of mourning. This is the kind of mourning that you experience when a loved one dies. So it's not like, you know, 
tell your brother I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. You know, not, not, not that kind of mourning. So it's a deeply felt mourning. Um, th- th- this, is the, this is the godly sorrow of 2 Corinthians 7, verses 9 and 10. It says, As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. So, so this, again, this morning is all about us recognize, recognizing our spiritual bankruptcy to have an have a emotional mourning for the fact that we are bankrupt and, and that this leads us to repentance. Because we are saved through repentance, through through. Through, and you know that's one thing I think God's been talking to me about is, is 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 you know I think we think of repentance as something you do to get saved and then you kind of move on. I mean, I, I, we need to repent like multiple times a day. You know, when 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 you know you're afraid to get in front of a group of people because you're afraid of looking silly. You know, you should repent because you're more worried about your own it's a pride thing versus versus a God thing. Um, and that's the only way we change. I'm convinced that's the only way you change. The only, the only change is by recognizing where um, you fall short of what God would have for you, and you repent over it, and you ask Him to change. You got to do it over and over again because it doesn't just change first time. Um, so, so godly, godly uh, sorrow or mourning, you know, I guess it's a produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Um, so how does mourning over your sin result in your being comforted? Because that's what it says. It says, um, you know, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So I think, you know, I think a good example of this is the parable of the prodigal son. I'm not going to read it, but uh, most of you know that. You know, that this is, you know, that the son asks for his inheritance before the father dies, goes off, squanders it, um, throws away the blessings of his father. Uh, he's reduced to becoming a pathetic beggar. You know, eating and living at a pigsty, um, he understood that he, na- that he now he now understands that he no longer has anything that he can offer his father. That he is in fact poor in spirit. Um, he mourns over this fact. He re- he repents and goes and, and repents before his father. And what happens out of that out of that mourning and repentance? What happens is that his relationship with his father is fully restored. And that's what God wants of us. He wants us to, to, to recognize that we are spiritually bankrupt, to mourn over that fact, to repent over it so that his relationship with us can be restored, which obviously is the whole point of how you become a believer. You, you become a believer by... You, the goal is to restore the relationship that God meant for us to have when we were created in the garden until we sinned, until Adam sinned. Um, okay. So, 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 so what, are, what are the possible ways you can respond when you feel bad about your sin? You know, these, these are kind of you know, things that we do other than mourning and repenting. So, so you can ignore the feeling and pretend everything's okay with you. You know, live a life of deception, you know, kind of like the Pharisees. Um, and actually, I would say, you know, part that goes along with that nowadays is that, is that uh, you know, people look for ways, they find ways to um, suppress it, to distract themselves from it, you know, watch Netflix all day, whatever, uh, or they self-medicate in some way, you know, some drugs, some, some uh, as, a, as a runner, you know, I 
running makes you feel better about everything, so you can self-medicate it that way. Um, so anyway, so, so, so you can, you can uh, respond to your sin by ignoring it, pretending it's okay. You can admit it and make a resolution to work harder and fix yourself. You know, like, okay, I'm going to write down every time I say a bad word, you know, whatever. You know, that, that never works. Never works. Um, you can despair over your sin and commit suicide like Judas. Or you can mourn over it, come to God, and confess and repent and have your relationship with God restored and find happiness, peace, love. Um, okay, so I'm debating whether or not I want to go on to another third one here or not. Sure, I'll, I'll do the third one. So, so, the, so the, first two, the, first, the first two Beatitudes are all about a person's internal change, a change uh, to their heart and their spirit. And that the third one, and once gone, is, is uh, you know, about how this change of heart affects our attitudes and behavior towards others. Um, so this one is, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So I'll, I'll call out, I'll give a call to Stephen over here, Stephen also, you know, who, who and I spent two hours talking about meekness and anger for his doctoral thesis. And uh, so the question is, you know, what, what does it mean to be meek? You know, and other, and other, other translations will translate that, this, this word uh, gentle, um, humble. Um, but it describes the attitude that you have in relationship with God and other people. Um, it is, it is, it is strength under control. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not, you know, I think, because I think of meek, you know, as like the person who's feel afraid to say anything to you. You kind of walks around and, woe is me, I'm just a miserable worm. And, and uh, that's not, that's not, me. Jesus was meek. Okay, if you, want, if you want to keep that in mind, Jesus is meek. So, so strength under control, not a per- passive person easily pushed around. It's a person who's willing to submit and work under proper authority. Um, you're willing to set aside your own rights and privileges for the, for the sake of serving God and serving others. Um, it's a person who yields their own power to the purposes of God. They're trusting in God, not in themselves. A total lack of confidence in oneself and a total confidence in God. It's a person that never feels superior to others because they know they are a sinner, you know, saved by grace alone, just like the lowest person around them. You know, again, Jesus is the, is the example of meekness. I think about that in, uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane where, you know, where Jesus says, prays, he says, um, and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, from me. yet not what I will, but what you will. You know, that, that, that Jesus was submitted to the will of his Father. And that's, that is, he, was, he had power. I mean, apparently, I guess he could say, he could have said no. I guess that theological question is somebody more learned than me, but but uh, um, you know that that was his his attitude was was I'm here I do what God has told me to do regardless of the cost. Um, so how do you develop meekness? My my thought in this is I, th- I think you I think we need to we need to constantly meditate on the gospel and and I like I like Tim Keller's um, brief summary of the gospel which I kind of put my own words, it is that we, we, are more, we are far more evil, corrupt, fallen, sinful than we can ever understand. 
Yet at the same time, we are more deeply loved by God than we can ever imagine. You know, that we are, we are way worse people than we think we are, but yet God loves us way more than we can ever imagine. And if you really, if you really pray on that and grasp it, um, you, as Tim, Tim Keller says, you'll become humbly confident, which I think is, I think is meekness, where you, you are confident, but you're humble about it. You know, you're not there seeking your own way, your own will. Um, you are humbly confident. So, so what does it mean that the meek will inherit the earth? I'll just read a quote here. Um, like, what, what, what does inheriting the earth got to do with meekness? Kind of thing? And, and uh, this, I don't remember who, was, who even said this, but uh, we can only be meek, meaning willing to control our desires for our own rights and privileges, and instead be able to put others ahead of ourselves if we are confident that God is watching out for us and that he will protect our cause, that he will not allow his meek ones to end up on the short end of the stick. So, so, so our meekness comes from, I mean, I mean, you know, if we can not seek our own power or our own good, and we can, we can be abused, we can be taken advantage of. And, and uh, um, I mean, God's not calling us to do that in all cases. Sometimes you need to do that. Sometimes you need to quit being an enabler of people that are doing wrong things, and you're, you're too wimpy to tell them about it. Um, but that we, that, that, we, you know, to, to enable us to be able to be walking in that attitude is to know that God is on our side and that we will be repaid in this life or the next life. You know, that, that, that uh, he's, he, we will not get the short end of the stick. So, so, so Psalm 37, which I'm not going to read all thing, is a, is a great example of this. You know, that we are, we are told, um, you know, so, so basically it talks about, you know, the, to, not to fret over evildoers, or be envious of wrongdoers. It's all about, you know, these are the evil people and, and, and don't worry about them. But we are to, while, you, while we see all these evil people doing bad things and making tons of money or being very prosperous or very famous, um, but we, we as Jesus followers, we're to trust in the Lord. We're to be faithful. We're to delight in the Lord. We're to commit our way to the Lord. We are to be, be still and wait patiently. We are to refrain from anger and, and forsake wrath. Um, we, we do this because in, in, in verse 37 says, but the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. So, so, so Psalm 37 basically tells you, you're going to see all these evil, wicked people apparently prospering around you, and you're going to say, and you're not prospering. <laughs> if, if you're in a place where you are not prospering, and it's easy to say, why am I doing this? When, when uh, Why am I sacrificing? Why am I doing this? When all these other evil people are getting ahead, and I'm not, um, and we need to turn, you know, that, 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 we, that we shall, remember that, we, that the, the meek shall hear the land and delight themselves. And so we have treasures beyond this earth. You know, God, God will bless us in our relationships here and now and bless us even greater, more greatly in, the, in when our time in heaven. Um, honestly, my, my, my personal thought is, is that, is that well, I'll close my own personal thought, is our country could use more of God's people operating in meekness and, and not insisting, you know, to, to lower the temperature in our political environment, you know, that we, we can, don't insist on having our own way all the time. Okay, so we're going to conclude here. Um, I forgot to get a benediction, so I'm just going to pray. So let me pray. 
Father, I, I just thank you, like God, again for your word and your Holy Spirit that, that um, shows us what your word means, Lord God, and it gives us the power to, to change our lives, Lord God, uh, to become more like you, Jesus. And I do pray that each, each of us here, Lord God, would, would um, surrender ourselves again to you, Lord God, to, to see ourselves as spiritually bankrupt in need of a Savior, in need of you, um, need of listening to you, following you, obeying you, Lord God, that we might be uh, your beacons of light in a terribly fallen world that we all live in right now, Father. And we just uh, love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.